0: Philippians one 12 to 12-18 Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare to do more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition and non supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, rejoice. Right then let's take a look at these verses. Notice um, that Paul starts by saying now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. The reason why that's an important bit of phraseology is because letters written back in this point in history had form they had particular shape and structure so different things were signaled by different kinds of choices of words and phraseology. And unusually, perhaps, uh, we're able to be quite confident that this is a new section that Paul is talking about. He's done with the last thing he wanted to say, and the fact that he's using this kind of form of words tells us he's on to a new topic. So what's he talking about? Well, just for these few verses, I want to focus on the idea that he's talking about the good news, uh, which is what gospel means. The good news uh, that he has to share about Jesus and his being alive after death. And the relationship uh, that he offers us and particularly the way in which he is Lord of all things. This is important because one of the big challenges uh, that Christians faced, early followers of the way of Jesus faced, was that what they declared was a particularly problematic thing for the Roman Empire because in the Roman Empire the Emperor Caesar was effectively God. And he was worshipped. So it was the, the Caesar cult that was worshipped in pretty much every city in the empire. And this was a direct challenge then, because Jesus being Lord of all was a challenge to Caesar being Lord. And that meant that when the followers of Jesus said, we believe that Jesus is Lord of all, they were being treasonous I suppose. They were deliberately saying that the truth that Caesar said about himself wasn't true at all and that there was someone else who claimed those titles. But that's a little bit of context but it's not the only bit. It's important for us to remember what the Church of Philippi was like. It was the first European church so it had very little um, Jewish kind of reference points and context and it was a diverse church its first uh, members were we think uh, a slave girl uh, a jailer and a trader a woman who was traded in purple cloth and her um, her group was women too and so there's very likely to be a group of prominent women who were leaders in this church We also need to think about where Paul is when he writes this letter. He is in prison, we are sure of that. Where he's in prison is something that isn't completely agreed on. Rome and Ephesus are the main possibilities. He is surrounded by uh, what he calls palace guard, and every city, uh, major city, had palace guard in them, but it may be that this was the um, kind of the the emperor's sort of personal guard, if he was in Rome, there's a very good chance that the Praetorians, Praetorian guard would have been making sure that he was behaving himself. We also want to be aware that Paul has got to where he is because of his preaching and the things that he's saying, and that uh, he has a life philosophy, and that's important for the context of what he's talking about here. What he believes are the important things about the life he lives and the world in which his ministry. All of that leaves us with some questions, not least kind of, you know, was it Ephesus or was it Rome? Um, how many people were there in this church at Philippi by this point? Does it make a difference who uh, was with Paul at the time, whether he was under house arrest or whether he was actually in a barrack somewhere? Um, And I think the fact that we don't know the answers to all those questions is important because it helps to remind us that our purpose as we study Scripture isn't so much to search for the right answers, although there definitely are some and it's important that we recognise those. But but the priority really is to search for an understanding of, of Jesus because Jesus is the revelation of God. We get to know what God is like by looking at Jesus. Nothing is as useful to us in understanding what God is like. As looking at Jesus and what he does and how he does it. And Paul is very determined to live in a way that reflects how Jesus lived. So at this stage, Paul is in prison and he really wants his audience, those Christians in Philippi who live with the same kind of threat of persecution that hasn't landed Paul in prison. Really wants them to understand that him being a prisoner does not stop the good news advancing this good news which is that Jesus has died uh, to rescue us from sin and has risen again to defeat death so Paul really wants his audience to understand that although he may be bound that his freedom has been limited that the message cannot be tied down and Paul is able to demonstrate this by talking about the way in which the things, the good news he has to share, has now been made known to all those in the palace guard, all those who are involved uh, in um, keeping him under arrest. Uh, and maybe they thought they were also protecting him from the dangerous mob outside, but I suspect it's mostly because he was potentially a, um, an enemy of the state of the Roman Empire. I particularly want to add one more thing before we uh, kick on and sing again. And that last thing is this the message, as Paul says, is not the same as the messenger. The message can live and thrive and travel, even when the messenger can't. We are invited, commissioned maybe is a better word, by Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, to live out this good news. But the good news isn't us, it's Jesus. And the reason why that's important is we need to make sure that we don't treat ourselves or the places in which we gather to worship as the good news itself. I'll take you back to this idea of flowers in the cracks that we've talked about before. The great thing about those flowers is that they bloom and are beautiful even though they're found in unexpected places. They can still light up a situation, they can still Bring colour and vibrancy wherever they are. They don't become flowers because they've been placed in a nice box or because they've been set out in a flower bed. They are already colourful and blooming and wondrous to behold. This means that, uh, as Paul reminds us, we need to be careful not to confuse the messenger with the message. Those Um, disciples at Philippi he really wanted them to understand Paul did that they were not to lose heart because he was in prison and they were not to think that the work was done or that the message was finished or that the church had failed he was where he was living out that good news challenging the culture around him that said that that the good news was that Caesar would bring peace and justice and saying no it's it's Jesus who does that
1: Philippians 1, 19 to 26. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body whether by life or by death. For to me living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labour for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus
0: when I come to you again. In this second section, let's have a look at what Paul is talking about uh, here. First thing I want to do is, is point out that he is determined to rejoice. Now this is important for two reasons. One is because Paul is demonstrating part of his philosophy of his life. And that philosophy is that the thing that matters most is Jesus and the good news that he brings. And everything else kind of plays second fiddle to that. He's very keen that part of what he demonstrates to those who don't know Jesus as well as he does is that that is a good philosophy for living. In a way, he says, does it matter? how big a deal is it whether I'm alive or dead? How big a deal is it whether I'm in chains or free? The thing that matters is that people get to hear about Jesus and get to have the opportunity to know him, to meet him and to follow him. Paul says in this context of being in prison that he won't rage against his circumstances or against God either. Instead, he doesn't lose sight of his calling and his relationship with Jesus it's important when we think about this to also realize that there are enough examples in Paul's letters indeed in the Acts of the Apostles to show us that Paul wasn't um, one-dimensional he definitely experienced highs and lows of emotion he definitely had moments when he felt very down and bleak where he felt that his life really might come to an end He was emotionally up and down. And his emotions changed. And yet his faith remained firm. And there's something really important in this too. And this is what I think it is. Our confidence doesn't come from our ability to be resilient. We don't have faith in our own faith. We don't have, we shouldn't have faith in our ability to stay determined to grit our teeth and say I believe. That's not what our faith is in. Our faith is in the living, active, relational Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, the man of Nazareth, the carpenter's son, the travelling teacher. Our faith is in one who can do things and change things, who can... Make miracles happen. Um, who can turn situations upside down? Who can answer prayer? And every time our faith becomes something about going, oh, I need to just hold on. I need to. I need to think hard about how wonderful Jesus is. Then actually, what we're investing in is our own ability to stay. Uh, to stay still. To to dig our heels in i don't want to have faith in my heels ability to stay dug in i want to have faith in the one who will hold my hand and lead me i think that realistic assessment of our emotions is really important our emotions are up and down and and it sounds to me very much like paul in his fondness for the church of philippi has quite upbeat emotions as he's writing this letter but that wasn't always the case And so we mustn't beat ourselves up or each other either if we come across circumstances where we feel low, where we feel uncertain or rubbish or fed up. Those things are not an indication that our faith is weak or failing. We haven't dug our heels in in a situation. That doesn't mean that we don't know and trust Jesus. In fact, I would say it's probably better To be able to acknowledge those feelings for what they are, take them to Jesus and ask him to help us with them. That's better than refusing to acknowledge those uh, emotions and gritting our teeth and hoping that somehow Jesus will be pleased with us for doing so. I don't think that's what Paul models to us. I think we have to recognise that that what we're looking at is a situation in our lives where, where we say it's not can we be trusted to have faith there will be those who will look on doubt as 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 some kind of failing but questions are a good thing questions are asked of people that we trust and no one is more trustworthy than Jesus is so it's not can we be trusted to have faith it's can God be trusted to be faithful I believe he can I'm not going to have faith in my own resilience much as I want to have good resilience but I am going to have faith in the one who will keep hold of me no matter what my circumstances are. That is, I believe, what Paul shows us. And finally, he also shows us this, to live is Christ, he says, he writes, and to die is the profit. It is better, he feels, to be with Jesus than anything else could be. But I want to ask you this. If you were to complete the sentence for me to live is what how would you complete it and not how do you think you should complete it or what do you think the right reason is but be honest maybe write yourself a top three for me to live is first this then that then that and maybe Jesus isn't first that's okay I mean we want to put Jesus first and we're called to put Jesus first But we're not going to be better at putting Jesus first by giving ourselves a guilt trip. So let's go to Jesus with our honest answer. If you want to say, Jesus, for me to live is a couple of other things first and then you. Help me make it different. Then we do honour to the one who knows how we think anyway. And we give ourselves a better chance of being able to bring him to the focus of who we are every day.